All right, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you today. Hey, Jim, I just want to make sure uh, channel 13 is unmuted at this time so that we've got volume on that. Thank you. And thank you to everyone who's watching on Facebook and on YouTube. I'm grateful to see each and every one of you today. Let's uh, stand and let's uh, worship the Lord together. The one whose love never fails. Bible says today is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And as we're going to sing a little bit later, there is joy in the house of the Lord today. <clears throat> that joy is possible because of his, his faithfulness, his presence, and his love that never fails. Let's celebrate that together right now. Nothing can separate. Let's sing, church. Nothing can separate. Even if I ran away, your love never fails. That's right. I know I still make mistakes. You have new mercy for me every day. Your love never fails. You stay the same. You stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid, because I know that you love me. Your love, your love never fails. That's right, your love, your love never fails. And the wind is strong. Let's put our hands together, folks. Wind is strong and the water's deep. But I'm not alone here in these open seas. Because why? Your love never fails. That's right. The chasm is far too wide. I never thought I'd reach the other side, but your love never fails. And God, we thank you for that. And you stay the same. You stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Oh, yes, it does. And when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid. Because I know that you love me. Your love, your love never fails. Oh, your love never fails. 
Right from Romans 8, you make, you make all things work together for my good. Yes, you do. And you make all things work together for my good. And we thank you, God. You make all things work together for my good. You make all things work together for my good. You stay the same. You stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. That's right. And when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid. Because I know that you love me. Your love never fails. Your love. Your love never fails. Your love never fails. Are you thankful for that today? His love never fails. There is joy in His house. Where two or more are gathered in His name, He is there. And we worship Him. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. There's joy. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. Shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. Shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. He hung up on that cross. And he rose up from that grave. My God's still rolling stones away. There's joy. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. Shout out your praise. We're the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. 
We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Oh, sing praise. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't. We won't be quiet. We shout. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We shout. Shout out your praise. Oh, yes, we do. We shout out your praise. Yeah, we shout out your praise. Amen. We shout out that praise because he deserves it. Why don't you have a seat for just a second, folks? So, we, uh, I just want to say a few things. Uh, There's joy in the house of the Lord. And I think one of the reasons there is joy is because, as I mentioned earlier, his presence is here. Where two or more are gathered. His love is here. His faithfulness is here. And and I could go on. Uh, and, And speaking of love, you know, we've been calling September Love Your Neighbor Month. And I have a question for you before we continue with more worship in just a minute. What do you do when you feel like you're running low on love? (laughs) Do you try to conjure it up by a sheer force of will? Uh, As if there's some sort of furnace of affection within us that needs, you know, to be filled with uh, another piece of wood or a hotter Fire, you know, we, we, we poke it and stoke it with resolve to, to do better, to be better. What is our typical strategy for treating a troubled relationship, for example? Well, we try harder. That's just ingrained in, in us a lot of times from childhood to try harder. For example, I need to forgive my spouse. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But I'm going to do it. Uh, I don't care how convenient it is to my schedule, inconvenient it is to my schedule, but I'm going to be kind to that homeless person. Uh, I'm supposed to love my neighbor next door who is playing his salsa music all day on Saturday, which does happen in our neighborhood. I mean, I like dancing salsa, but after 15 minutes, I'm just kind of worn out. Um, Okay, I'm going to love that person. By golly, I will do it. And so we try. Our teeth are clenched. Our jaw is firm. And we are going to love 
as if it kills us. And so my question, another question I have for you is, could it be that we are missing a step? Could it be that the first step of love is not toward them, toward our neighbor, but toward him? Could it be that the secret to loving is receiving? You know, you and I give love by first receiving. In First John four nineteen, it says we love each other as a result of his, what, loving us first. If you long to be more loving, I want to encourage you to start by embracing how deeply loved you are by God. Ephesians 5.12 says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us. Do you want to learn how to forgive? Then consider, please, how you and I have been forgiven. Ephesians 4 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Are you finding it hard to put others first? Well, think of the way that Christ put you and me first. Philippians 2, verse 6. It says, Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. Do you want to exhibit more patience? Do you want to exhibit more generosity? Well, consider the one who has been infinitely patient with you and me and who is infinitely generous. Can you and I love our neighbor like this? We can. With his help. With his help, we can do that. A marriage-saving love does not naturally exist within us. A friendship-preserving devotion does not naturally exist in our hearts. We need help from an outside source. We need a transfusion. The secret, I believe, to loving our neighbor is to live knowing that we are loved. And as Forrest Gump would say, that's about all I have to say about that. Let's pray, and then we will continue with our worship here. Heavenly Father, help us to love well, knowing that we are deeply loved by you. Lord, when we are struggling to forgive, remind us about how you have forgiven us. When we are struggling to be kind or patient, remind us of how kind and patient you are with us each and every day. Lord, help us to follow the wisdom of Proverbs 3 and to lean not on our understanding, but on yours. Help us to acknowledge you in all of our ways and lean into you for help and guidance and loving our neighbor well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together one more time, church. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands 
of the maker of heaven. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. Sing it again. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. And I give it all to you, God, trusting that you'll make something beautiful out of me. I give it all. I give it all to you, God. Trusting that you'll make something beautiful out of me. I lean not, and I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. Yes, I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. And I give it all to you, God, trusting that you'll make something beautiful out of me. And I give it all to you, God. Trust in that you'll make something beautiful out of me. Sing it again, church. I give it all. I give it all to you, God. Trusting that you'll make something beautiful out of me. Oh, I give it all. I give it all to you, God. Trust in that you'll make something out of me I will climb I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open I will climb this mountain with my hands. And there's nothing. There's nothing I hold on to. 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 There's nothing. There's nothing I hold on to. Yeah, there's nothing I hold on to. There's nothing I hold on to. Nothing I hold on to. I lean not. Oh, and I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the Maker of heaven. Yes, I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. 
to love our neighbor struggling with a relationship struggling with whatever feels like a mountain to us Lord we want to climb it with hands wide open we want to be receptive to how you want to work in us and through us and Lord we want to follow that wisdom from Proverbs to lean not on our understanding but acknowledge you in all of our ways so that you can make our path straight We walked in here, Lord, with, with stuff on our hearts, stuff on our minds. And we want to surrender it to you because nothing is too big for you to handle. We want to lean into your wisdom with hands wide open. And we want to trust in you with all our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, have a seat for a second. I'd like to invite my wife, Carolyn, up to lead us in communion. Hey, good morning. (laughs) I'm here, I'm here. Well, when I listen to that song, I don't know about you, but it just kind of want to make me drop everything and just follow him. And um, knowing that he'll make something beautiful when we do that out out of us. This morning, we have the privilege of celebrating communion together as a church family. And as I was thinking and praying about, um, about communion this week, uh, what God really put on my heart is it's just all about Jesus. It's simply and profoundly all about Jesus. And if I only spoke the name of Jesus... I think that would be enough because at the name of Jesus, there is peace and there's comfort, there's healing, there's forgiveness, there's salvation, there's answered prayer, there's refuge, and there's power and authority in his name for those who believe. And all of those uh, just want to make me, just like that song, run to the communion table in gratefulness because of the name of Jesus. But let's look with me 
um, at what Jesus has done for us. Jesus died on the cross for the sin of all mankind. And it was Jesus' body that was broken for us and his blood that was shed for us. It is Jesus who rose again and defeated death and the penalty of sin. And it's Jesus who is coming again for his bride, the church. We get to celebrate communion because of Jesus. And it's Jesus who initiated communion. And I always like to take us back to to the origin of communion. And it's when Jesus was sitting at the Passover with his disciples. Now, Passover was a tradition that was celebrated in remembrance of what God had done for the children of Israel when they were in captivity in Egypt. And God had told Pharaoh to let his people go, but Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And so God sent plagues, and the final plague was the death of the firstborn. But to the children of Israel, to God's chosen people, he said, if you, take, if you sacrifice a lamb and take the blood and put it over the doorpost, I will pass over and spare your firstborn. And so that's what they did. That miracle is what they celebrated when they came together every Passover. But Jesus, knowing he was going to the cross in just a few days, was doing something new with his disciples, and he was establishing a new covenant. And it was at this dinner that, um, that he, he shared with them the bread and the wine as symbols of what he was about to do. So when we take communion, the bread and the juice symbolize what Jesus has done for us. The bread is a symbol of his body that was broken, and the juice symbolizes the blood that was poured out for you and for I. And when we partake of communion, we are declaring by Jesus' blood and only by his blood that we are forgiven. Communion helps us to never, ever forget what Jesus did. Could you imagine if we never celebrated communion, how when time goes by, things become replaced in our mind. So we come together and remember that he came to earth, he lived a sinless life, and he died for our sins. And by celebrating communion, we are anticipating his return. It's all about Jesus. And right now, we are going to, um, we're going to take the elements in just a moment. I'm going to have you come forward. But as you're coming forward, actually, I'm going to have this side come to my right and this side to my left to get the the elements. But as you're coming forward, um, let's do this. Let's reflect on Jesus, the willing sacrifice and the salvation he has given. And I also want you to reflect on that song that we just sang. Let's come to the communion table giving our everything to God for his son with grateful hearts, with our hands wide open, holding on to nothing but putting our life in the hands of the maker of heaven. And after everyone has had the opportunity to get the elements, we're going to actually take communion together. So I'd I'd like to have you come forward now and get your elements.
Right now, I'd like to lead us in a special prayer to help prepare our hearts for taking communion together. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we we bow before you in humility and ask you, Lord, to examine our hearts. Show us if there is anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, any rebellion, any unforgiveness. Lord, anything that is hindering our relationship with you. When we, want it, when we come to the table, Lord, we want to come with hands wide open, hearts wide open for you to do a miracle in our heart, Lord. So, Lord, we humbly come before you because our desire is to live for you. Let me pray this in Jesus' name. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and you, sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son, for Jesus, the supreme sacrifice for all of our sin, past, present, and future. Because of his blood shed for us and his body broken for us, we can be free from the power and the penalty of sin. Thank you for his victory over death. He took the death that we deserved, and he took our punishment. And now in Jesus, we have refuge, we have peace, we have comfort, we have healing, we have forgiveness, and we have salvation. And today we remember when we come with our hands and our hearts wide open and celebrate the precious gift of the life he gave us. We thank you and we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank you so much, Carolyn. Folks, at this time, we're going to take a few moments to greet everyone around us. So uh, I invite you to do that, and we will continue with our worship in just a second.
one last year. We took the youth last year. The year before we did folks. Let's make our way back to our seats. We introduced this song to you last week. It's called Believe For It. And let's sing. They say this mountain can't be moved. They say these chains will never break. But they don't know you like we do. There is power in your name. We've heard that there is no way through. We've heard the tide will never change. But then what you can do, there is power in your name. So much, so much power in your name. And we move, move the immovable, break the unbreakable. God, we believe, God, we believe for it. The impossible, we'll see a miracle. God, we believe, God, we believe for it. We believe for it. And we know, we know that hope is never lost. Oh, there is still an empty grave. God, we believe no matter what. There is power in your name. So much power in your name. Move the immovable, break the unbreakable. God, we believe. God, we believe for it from the impossible. We'll see a miracle, God, we believe, God, we believe for it. Move the immovable, break the unbreakable, God, we believe, yes, we do. God, we believe for it, from the impossible, we'll see a miracle. 
God, we believe. God, we believe for it. We believe for it. And you are. You are the way when there seems to be no way. We trust in you, God, we have the final say. You are the way when there seems to be no way. We trust in you, God, you have the final say. Oh, yes, you do. You'll be immovable, break the unbreakable. God, we believe. God, we believe for it. From the impossible, we'll see a miracle. God, we believe. God, we believe for it. You'll be immovable. Break the unbreakable, God, we believe, God, we believe for it, from the impossible, miracle, God, we believe, yes, we do, God, we believe for it, God, we believe, God, we believe for it. Church, I'd love to do that chorus one more time. Move the unmovable. Let's sing together one last time. Move the immovable. Break the unbreakable. God, we believe. God, we believe for it. From the impossible, you'll see a miracle. God, we believe. God, we believe for it. Praise the Lord. He is the miracle, the mountain mover, the miracle maker. Thank you. Have a seat. Uh, We're excited to have back again this morning Pastor Dave Gudgel. He was with us about a month ago. And while Pastor Gary and Joy are on vacation, uh, he's going to be preaching today and Next week, will you please welcome Dave Gudgel back to SVC? Yes, sir. Well, that was a wonderful time of worship together, and we want to continue to jump into God's Word here and talk about encouragement. Now, I think that that could be relevant. You in agreement with that? (laughs) We all need encouragement. I mean... Uh, man, there's just so much going on in our world right now, and I thank God that he knew that his children, uh, like my children, my grandchildren, need encouragement. He knew that we would need to be people who come alongside one another and, and give that encouragement. So in a way, you could just think of it like ice cream. Some of us can't live life without ice cream. Our grandchildren sure can't live life without ice cream. I don't know if I can take care of that need for you. That's, that's between you and somebody else. But I think we could take care of the whole matter of encouragement this morning and maybe all of us collectively together make a, a commitment in some way to step up the encouragement. 
through our own lives, uh, I think that probably every one of us could benefit from more encouragement, from whatever amount of encouragement we're getting right now. I think that all of us could get a little bit more encouragement, and it could be helpful. (laughs) When I was pastor at Bridges Community Church over on the other side of the bay in uh, Los Altos, I was there before I stepped into the role I'm in right now at Venture Church Network, but I was there for 11 years. And, of course, being in the Silicon Valley like that, they have a lot of engineers in the church. And what I'm about to say is in a slam against engineers, okay? So please understand where I'm coming from, and I'll dig myself out of this if I have to. But I met with a pastor over in Santa Cruz who had been in that area for 20 years or so, and I said to him, you know, uh, things are off to a pretty good start here at Bridges Community Church here in Los Altos, but there's just not a lot of encouragement. In fact, I find that people are just kind of low on encouragement. I think we all need it, and people are low on giving it around here. And I said, I am not even really seeing it among the board members. And he said, well, Dave, who's on your board? Tell me, what are their occupations? He said, do you have any engineers on your board? (laughs) And I said, yeah, it's pretty much all engineers. And he said, how many teachers do you have on your board? I said, none. He said, how many politicians do you have on your board? I said, none. He said, that's your problem. You need some more teachers and politicians on your board. You get more encouragement. And I thought, is that what it's going to take? You know, I mean, these are great guys. But I think that sometimes we just tend to neglect the fact that God wants us to be encouraging people. I mean, I really believe that. So, for instance, you have a lot of words of encouragement about encouraging each other, such as Hebrews 3.13. But encourage one another daily. Daily. Encourage one another daily. How are you doing on that one? Just encourage one. Every day, make that a part of your relationships with others. Encourage one another daily. Well, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Anybody have a problem with sin? Oh, yeah. Is it possible that perhaps if we could be more encouraging to each other, that encouragement can make such an impact in one another's lives that could keep us from falling into sin? That's what that's suggesting. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are already doing, or you're doing. I love that, too, because he's saying to... Paul is saying to the church at Thessalonica, guys are doing a great job of encouragement. In fact, you're doing it on a regular basis. Keep it up. Don't stop. This is no time to stop being an encourager. And my guess is you've probably heard of these two verses, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider, which means, you know, stop and think about this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on, or spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That would be wonderful. And then he says, and let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, gathering in places like this, getting together. It's a good thing to do. Let's not get into the habit of not doing that. But let's let's all the more when we come together, let's encourage one another. Let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. What day is that? The day of Jesus coming. And Jesus himself said, that in the days leading up to my coming, it's going to get really difficult, which suggests 
that we need this encouragement even more in these days coming up to the return of Jesus Christ. So whoever wrote the book of Hebrews is saying, you know, we just need to get together and we need to encourage each other. It can be such a good thing because encouragement can foster love and good deeds like water could cause your tomatoes to grow, (laughs) you know, and they could be ripe and wonderful. Well, in the same way, we need encouragement. Encouragement is unto our health and our hope and our happiness, and may that increase. And so I want to talk about encouragement today. I I think that we have room for encouragement, all of us. We have a need for more encouragement than perhaps we're getting right now, but we also have a need to be more encouraging toward others. And so in these days before Jesus comes, I think it's good to consider the subject of encouragement. And to to help us do that, we're going to look at somebody who needed encouragement. His name was the Apostle Paul. Now, you may know that a man named Joseph came along. He became a close friend of Saul uh, before Saul was renamed Paul. And, And this man, Joseph, who came into Saul's life brought encouragement at just the right time. And some of us right now... Uh, could be maybe a Joseph to somebody at just the right time, like Joseph was the guy for the time when Paul needed encouragement in a big way. Stories told in Acts chapter 9, if you're familiar with Acts 9, it's the chapter where we read about Saul's conversion, his miraculous conversion, and his start immediately in ministry in Damascus, where he went about telling others about Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah, Acts chapter 9, verses 19 to 22. And then we're told that Saul then moved to Jerusalem, and he came to Jerusalem with the hope of joining in the amazing disciple-making work that was happening in Jerusalem. And here's what Dr. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, said about his coming to Jerusalem. Paul, Saul. And when he, that's Saul, had come to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. But Barnabas, verse 27, took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus, verse 28, and he was with them, This is, he was now with them, moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. So, just three verses, but I want you to notice this huge shift. This is very significant in the early days of Paul's ministry. Because Paul, when he came to Jerusalem, they shunned him. See that, verse 26? He was shunned by the disciples in Jerusalem. But verse 28, he's now speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. Now, that's a huge shift. That's a significant shift when you go from unwelcomed to welcomed, from avoided to befriended, from restrained to preach the gospel to one who was freed to evangelize the city wherever he wanted. And what we see here is that Paul's ministry would have been dead in the water. In Jerusalem, had it not been for the encouraging actions and the encouraging words of the encourager. And who was the encourager? Well, that was Barnabas. Barnabas, 
would be wonderful for every church. I mean, we could all use a Barnabas, somebody who we would do well to meet and somebody that we would do well to learn from. What do we know about Barnabas? Well, we know in Acts 14, 14, he eventually came to be called an apostle. And we also know that Barnabas' real name was Joseph. But the apostles called him Barnabas because Barnabas means son of encouragement. And that actually fit Barnabas. It fit how he lived. Wherever he went, somebody got encouraged by Joseph, by Barnabas. In fact, that's pretty obvious from the first time we meet him in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4, verses 36 and 37, where it says, Joseph, Barnabas, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, let me ask you, if you had somebody in this church sell some property and then bring the money to the church and lay it before the elders and say, you have this, you take it, use it any way you want to use it, but you might want to consider using it for the poor since we've got a real problem there right now, would that be encouraging to anybody? Are you kidding? Absolutely. I mean, somebody sold their property. I had a guy over in Phoenix walk into my office over there. We were entering into a program where we needed to raise a couple million dollars in order to remodel a building that we had there so that we could begin a worship service in this building at Bethany Bible Church. I was there for seven years. And he walked in, unexpected, and he said to Dave, I just really, God feels, I, I feel like God told me, he just been working in my heart that I need to give you a gift. So here's half of the gift, and I'm going to get back here in a few more weeks and give you the other half. Well, this half was a half a million dollars. And he gave us the other half a million a few weeks after that. Now, do you think that encouraged anybody? It started with me, absolutely. Are you kidding? Well, Barnabas was that kind of guy. He, he, when there was a need, he stepped up and he met the need. Met the need. Well, now, Acts chapter 9, Saul needs help. He needs the loving support of somebody who will step up and help him establish credibility in Jerusalem. And so Barnabas decides he's going to be the guy. He's not going to wait around for anybody else. He's going to step into this situation. And what we have here are three ways that Barnabas showed encouragement. And quite frankly, these are three ways that we could be Barnabas-like in our encouragement toward others. What did Barnabas do? Well, number one, he took the initiative. He took the initiative. You see that in verses 26 and 27. He, He led the charge in getting to know Saul and ultimately introducing Saul to other people. So when he saw Saul... Verse 26, trying to associate, notice that word, to associate with the disciples, but the disciples kept their distance from Saul. Barnabas said, I'm going to get to know him. I'm going to get to know Saul, and I'm going to do what I can to help him become part of this movement for Jesus here in Jerusalem. So he determined in his mind that he was going to get to know Saul and see what he could do. And by the way, this is, a, this is a real problem. I want you to notice the words in verse 26 was trying. Saul was trying. So he was trying to get an in. 
you know, trying to minister with these people who are ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. He was trying, and the, the tense of the verb suggests that he had been making repeated efforts to join forces with Jesus' disciples, but every attempt was rebuffed or rejected by the 12 apostles and other Christ followers. So it's not just the apostles that are rejecting him, it's other Christ followers, which means it could have been a very large group of people that just wanted nothing to do with Saul. So if Saul had come to Jerusalem with the hopes that he would be, you know, given the right hand of fellowship or a fist bump or an elbow bump, or something, you know, somebody would have stepped forward and said, hey, my name is and like to get to know you. Well, that wasn't happening except for one person who was interested, and that person was Barnabas. And why was Barnabas able to step forward and do that? Well, because he didn't share the same fear that evidently everybody else had. Because it says in verse 26, they were all afraid of Saul. They didn't believe that he was a disciple. Now, that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, your reputation has preceded you, Saul. Are you kidding? You're like the persecutor of Christians. I mean, you were just in on the death of Stephen, the first church martyr, and you were bent on immobilizing and destroying Christians. In fact, if you just go back to Acts chapter 8, just back a chapter to verses 1 and 3, it says, And Saul was there giving approval to his death. Whose death? Stephen's. Chapter 7, at the end of chapter 7, after Stephen gave a walk through the Old Testament Scriptures, they killed him. And Paul or Saul was in on that. It says, Saul was there giving approval to his death. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Verse 2, Acts 8, verse 2. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. I mean, that's the reputation this guy had. So it would have been a lot easier to believe that Saul was a charlatan posing as a Christ follower with evil ulterior motives than it would be to believe that he wanted to help now the church in Jerusalem spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So had Barnabas not t stepped up and taken the initiative to meet and greet Saul, his ministry could have been dead in the water. And you got to kind of wonder what was going on in Barnabas. I mean, obviously the Holy Spirit was working in Barnabas. You've had the Holy Spirit working in you before where you see somebody that nobody is paying any attention to. And it, 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 I know there's a little bit of fear and trepidation and, and, and we're all introverts or it feels like we're all introverts and we can't. Are you kidding? I can't say anything to that person. Well, this is just a little bit worse than that. I mean, there. I don't want anything to do with that guy. I know what's what's happened with him, but I wonder what it was like for Barnabas. Barnabas just moved toward Paul. I wonder how how he did that. Hey, Saul, I can see that. 
Uh, you're having a hard time making some friends here in Jerusalem. You know, maybe we could get together. Would you, would you like to share a cup of coffee with me at the bagel and lock shop together? There's a brand new one over there on, on Main Street. I think they're calling it Bagel King. Want to go over there together? We could sit out on the patio. We could kind of get to know each other and have a conversation and see what might come out of it. I don't know. I don't know how the conversation or conversations happen. All I know is the next time you turn around, Saul is being introduced to the apostles through Barnabas. But that would not have happened had he not also overcome any fears that he had. And for the disciples to overcome their fears, who knew who, would, who was going to take that initiative to help them do that? Well, who, who took the initiative was, was Barnabas. You know, there are people all the time that come into our lives that some of them have baggage. Some of them we've heard about. You know, it's, oh, well, I don't, I don't want anything to do with that person. We need Barnabas people in the church, don't we? We need Barnabas people helping spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Over at Bridges Community Church, we had some friends. They became friends, but some people came into the church. They moved down from Portland area up in Oregon. I don't know if they're you know all friendly up there. All I know is this couple is friendly. They got into the church, and they just started taking initiative and meeting people in the church. They wait for people to meet them. They just... <laughs> they met everybody. And then they started ministering to people that are in the church. People are in need and people not just in the church, but outside the church. And I'll tell you what, we all have learned something from Suresh and Sujana Panthalu, this wonderful couple who believe that God wants them to reach out to people and, and help them become um, members of the church or feel connected to the church in important ways. Their actions and their attitudes actually have impacted over the last decade Bridges Community Church in such a way that it's a much more friendly church than it ever would have been without one couple. Well, I'll tell you what happened in Jerusalem would not have happened without a Barnabas. Can we do that? Can we take the initiative? That's all he did. He just took the initiative. There was somebody who was being shunned, and he took the initiative to get to know this individual and see what was up and discover his story. I love how Bruce Wilkinson, who's president of, used to be the president of Walk Through the Bible Ministries, how he often will walk up to people he doesn't know and just ask them a question. He'll say, how can I help you? Now, that's a weird question to start a conversation with, isn't it? But he does it. <laughs> He's that kind of guy. How can I help you? And, you know, at first they're kind of like, what? What are you, weird? And he, that question has opened so many conversations for him to help people. And it was like God has set up a divine appointment after divine appointment. And he was just checking to see if there might be a divine appointment here. I'm not saying you got to use that question. But you could put a turquoise table out in your front yard. I heard you saw the movie about the turquoise table. Incredible, huh? So we got some Adirondack chairs in, over in uh, Phoenix. Put them out in our front yard. No, excuse me. We did it in Mountain View. 
We put them out in our front yard. People used to come by and say, why are those there? Oh, just so we could start a conversation with you. Who knows what God will do if we just take the initiative, right? Well, Barnabas not only took the initiative, but he met a need. Can we do that? Can we see a need and meet the need? I think so. Verse 27, but Barnabas took hold of Paul and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road. Now, how did he find that out? He had to have had a conversation with him. And whether or not it was the big old shop, I don't know. But he had to get to know him. How he had seen the Lord on the road and that he, Jesus, had talked to him, talked to Saul. And how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. What need did Saul have? Well, he had a need for an advocate. And so Barnabas becomes his advocate, somebody who would vouch for him, somebody who would support him and put a good word in for him, somebody who would take him to the spiritual leaders and help the spiritual leaders see that Saul was legitimate. That's the need that Barnabas met. Notice the words in verse 27. He took hold of him. I love that. He took hold of Saul, Barnabas took hold of him, and he brought him to the apostles. Now, that's not the safe thing. The safe thing would have just been to say to Saul, hey, listen, I'll tell you where they're hiding, okay? <laughs> you know, uh, and, and pointed, you know, like so many of the employees do when you go into a store and say, hey, where's the ketchup or whatever it is? And they say, that's over, you know, four aisles over there's a, an occasionally a store where you'll go in and they'll just actually walk with you all the way over there. But notice what happens here is that he brought him. He brought him. He took hold of him and he brought him. Verse 27. I love that, too, because oftentimes we would say, I don't have time for you. I mean, I don't even have time to answer your question or whatever it might be or put a, you know, do something here in this moment. He personally brought Saul to the apostles. So he put an arm around him and he brought him to his friends. He didn't just say, you're going to find them over on the other side of town at 777 Temple Way. Okay, can you find that? He brought him to the apostles and he described to the apostles what God had been doing in and through Saul And he assured them, like a defense attorney, that he's the real thing. He said something, no doubt, to the effect of, let me introduce you to a fellow minister in Jesus Christ. His name is Brother Saul. And let me tell you about his conversion and his encounter with Jesus and how he talked to Jesus and his time of ministry in 27. He had to say something like, and Saul is the real deal. Barnabas may have even said, you know what, I got a good feeling about Saul. I think that he has a great future. In fact, I think that he may even end up impacting the whole world for Christ. Now, my guess is is that you've probably, somewhere along the way, had somebody come into your life that encouraged you in a similar way. They said something, they did something at a time where, you know, things were tough for you, whatever it was. And you, in the aftermath, were encouraged and 
found yourself doing things that perhaps you never thought you would be able to do? I had a guy over the first church I was a pastor at in Southern California take me out for lunch. He'd been in, he'd been in the church for a couple of years, and he had plenty of time to observe that I wasn't becoming the leader that the church needed for me to become, that possibly I could become. I was 27, you know. I didn't think that I was qualified for one. And two, I wasn't sure, you know, uh, how do you lead people that are older than you? And this person who was older than me took me out for breakfast, I guess it was. And he said, Dave, his name is Lee, I want to I help you. I want to help you lead better than you're leading right now. Because God put you here and he wants to use you as a leader. He really does. I'll never forget that conversation. I'll never forget that that was a defining moment for me. He wasn't rebuking me. He was encouraging me to step up. Encourage can mean be a person with some courage. He was introducing me to courage. It just so happened he had a framing country, uh, company of 500 people. And at one point I said to him, well, you know, one of the ways you could encourage us you could you could build our children's building. We need a children's building. That's what we need. He said, okay, I'll, I'll look into that. Well, in time, he brought 50 workers out there on a Saturday, and they framed the entire building in one day. That was encouraging. He was just that kind of guy. And I'm sure you've got people in your life right now that you can look back on and you say, oh, there was a moment there, there was a moment there, there was that. Sometimes it's just a word or two, and yet it made all the difference in the world and what's happened in your life since then. And you could have that kind of an impact in somebody's life right now. When I think about my mother and, and what she had to put up with with me <laughs> and how challenging I was, Boy, I'm just amazed that she had the courage that she had at 35 years of age because she had me when she was 17. At 35 years of age, to take me out on the diving board. We had a pool. I thought it was a good thing until she took me out on the diving board. She said, you get over there on the diving board part that's, you sit on that diving board that's over the water. And she sat on the part that was over the ground, you know, the cement. So I was a captive audience. I, it was either, you know, listen to her or take a dip. And so I sat there, and, and she did her absolute best to encourage me and help me realize that unless I changed my study habits, I was never going to become the person that God made me to be. It was such a significant conversation. Sometimes those conversations can be difficult. Other times they're just filled with words of hope and what she was trying to express to me was the hope of what could happen through her son if he was to take seriously the giftedness that God had given him. You know, pastors need encouragement. So many ways that I hope you're being an encouragement to Gary. Obviously you could pray for him. Regular base is so important. I've had people all through my forty years of lead pastor ministry come to me and say, Dave, I want to pray for you. At the beginning, I think they said that because if we don't pray for you, you are not going anywhere. 
You know, I think that's probably what was going on there. We need to pray for you, Dave. Could you let us in on some specific requests? Every time I went to speak somewhere, Marianne Miller would pray for me because she, I gave information to every time I went somewhere. Then there was Wilma Price. She was 80 years old. She was praying for me constantly. And not only do we need the prayers of others, but we need their wisdom. You can give a pastor so much wisdom. I mean, do it in an appropriate way, an encouraging way. But they need wisdom. They need friendship. They need time off, like the time that Gary's getting right now. It's wonderful that you're supporting Gary in this way. In other words, we can be an encouragement to others by taking the initiative, by meeting a need, and lastly, by sharing the mission. By sharing the mission. It says in Barnabas made it possible for Saul so that, verse 28, ultimately he was moving freely about Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of Jesus. I mean, how did that happen? Because Barnabas was right there involved in the mission and he wanted to see Paul be involved in the mission so that together, it says, they were all together proclaiming the gospel wherever they went. And wonderful things began to happen, even to the point, if you go down to verse 31, where it says the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace, and it was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and it grew in numbers living in the fear of the Lord. In other words, greater things happened as a result of the ministry that Paul joined in with in Jerusalem, and that ministry continued to not only grow in might and strength there in Jerusalem, but it also continued to spread from there as it was, and isn't this interesting, as it was encouraged by the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit's in on encouraging what in the world's going on here, going on here, and it grew in numbers and fearing the Lord. And so it was a great encouragement to all. And this great encouragement to all came after somebody stepped up and had the encouragement towards somebody who was being shunned that could potentially step into a ministry and be a part of seeing God do a greater work there. You know, if you go on with the story in Acts, it tells us that uh, later on the church in Jerusalem sent Barnabas off to Antioch because Antioch was seeing great things happen. The gospel was being received and people were coming to faith in Christ and they were growing in Christ and it tells us in Acts 11:23 that when uh, Barnabas was sent to Antioch, that Barnabas arrived and he saw evidence of the grace of God. He was glad and, and he, what? He encouraged them because that's what this guy did. And he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. And then it says in verse 25 of Acts 11, then Barnabas, after he had done that, he went to Tarsus to look for Saul. This is the guy he had encouraged before. Well, why would he go there? Well, it says when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. Why would they do that? So they spent, it says, a whole year, Barnabas and Saul meeting with the church and teaching great numbers of people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. In other words, when he thought about what was going on in Antioch and this great work that was being done and how much more needed to be done, he thought, I got to get Saul here. And so he went off, found Saul, brought him to Antioch, they began to minister together. They saw God do a greater work. And it was then that Acts 13, the Holy Spirit said, verse 2, set apart for me 
Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. You say, well, they're already doing a work right here in Antioch. And then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them, the leaders in, in Antioch, and they sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus, and on and on and on. What was this? This is the first missionary journey. So now you got this guy who at one point was shunned, who Barnabas had reached out to and befriended and joined, and they all joined up in ministry together in Jerusalem, and then they joined up in ministry in Antioch, and now <laughs> Barnabas and Saul are joining up in ministry and they're going all over the place. And one of the individuals they took with them was John Mark. You may know that name. And John Mark was on this first missionary journey with them, and when things got tough, which they did on the journey, Paul and Barnabas went on, but John Mark came home. He said, I can't do this any longer. And they continued that journey for two successful years. And they came back home. They took some time off. And then they got together again, um, Barnabas and, and Saul. And Saul said, uh, you know, let's, let's do this again. And, and Barnabas said, yeah, that'd be great. And let's take John Mark back with us again. And you remember what happened here? Where, where, where Saul said, no, no, I, we're not taking him. He's, he's a failure. We're not going to take him. So what happened? They parted company, and, and Saul went off and did a journey with another individual. His name was Silas. And, and Barnabas went off, and he did a journey with John Mark. And John Mark evidently did pretty well on that journey because there was an encourager that took this guy that had failed, and he shared a ministry with him. And they had significant impact together. And, and this John Mark then went on to write a book in the New Testament. It's called Mark. How about that? He wrote the book of Mark. And when you get to the end of the Apostle Paul's last writing, his last book, 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says in his final words in chapter 4, Luke alone is with me. It's writing to Timothy. Luke, I, I, there's only Luke's with me. So get Mark and bring him with you, for he's very useful to me for the ministry. Well, Paul, how come he's Mark so useful to you for the ministry? Is it because you were such an encouragement to him? No, that would be due to Barnabas. Barnabas, the one that took the initiative, the one that met a need the one that shared the mission. Wouldn't it be great if churches, this church, if every church had Barnabas people in it, encouragers. People saw needs. Let's love our neighbors. And they, they didn't just talk about it, but they stepped up into it and said, we can do something. We could do something, something like what Barnabas did. We could do something like what Jesus did. Because Jesus is the ultimate encourager. Jesus took the initiative. He got to know people. All kinds of people. He started conversations all the time with people that ended up changing their lives. And Jesus met others' needs all the time. His life and his ministry was all about meeting needs, often in unexpected ways. In fact, in such ways that it endeared people to Jesus. And, of course, the pressing need 
that he ultimately met was our need for a Savior. He came to seek and to save the lost people like us and to bring us into God's family. And Jesus shared the mission. He shared his Father's mission, the most important mission of all. And then in doing that, he was working obviously in harmony with God's will by always doing that which pleased the Lord. And when Jesus works within us, we become encouragers like he was, like Barnabas was. And we see the work of God go forward in brand new ways. Well, Father, help us be encouragers. Help us see the need. Help us fearlessly step into the need. And through your work in and through us, be an encourager to people around us. Not just a couple times a month, but God, every day, wherever we are, whether it be in the home, in our workplace, in our neighborhood, in the grocery store, wherever it is, Lord, use us as you used Barnabas. Help us be like Christ, for it's in his name we pray. Thanks, Dave. Aren't you glad you are here this morning? I'm very encouraged, so thank you, Dave. Um, Another way that you can be encouraged is by joining a group. So um, we just want to remind you that you can join a group at any time. A lot of them are starting now, have started, but it's not too late to jump in if they've already started or join a group that will be starting. Um, Eric and I are leading a group on Tuesday nights. Uh, Steve and Sandy will be having a group starting in a couple of weeks on Thursday nights. And I know Joy is going to be starting another women's group in a couple of months, I think in November. Um, so check it out. It's all on our app and on our webpage. So that's just a great uh, way to be encouraged as well and pray for others and um, just connect. Um, so another thing that you can do with connecting segue in is um, there is always coffee with a pastor on Wednesday um, afternoons at 4 p.m. Gary and Matt will be having coffee there so you can come and join them. It's Chadburn Road. The Journey's Coffee is there. So um, if you want to have any questions or to get some more encouragement, you can meet with them on Wednesday afternoons. Um, We'd also like to invite you to join us next Sunday evening here at church at 630 for Revival Prayer. And we will worship God together through music and then humbly pray for revival for our church, our homes, our community, and the world as a whole. And we'd just be so honored if you'd come and share that time with us. It's another really encouraging um, time that we can have together. And then lastly, I'd like to um, encourage you to worship God through giving. And there are numerous ways that we can do this. You can find that on our app. It's um, solonovalley.org forward slash giving. It'll give you multiple ways. And also on our app, there's a give button that you can use and see how to do it that way. And just, again, thank you for your generosity and worshiping God in this way. Thank you very much, Elsa. 
Church, we're going to stand together one last time. And I'd really truly hope that this truth that we're going to declare, that His love never fails, that it is an encouragement to you. An encouragement to you personally, and also an encouragement to share His love with others, with everyone that you come in contact with. never fails let's sing one more time church nothing can separate even if I ran away your love never fails I know I still make mistakes but you have new mercy for me every day. Your love never fails. That's right. And you stay the same. You stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night. Joy comes in the morning. oceans rage I don't have to be afraid because I know that you love me your love never fails your love your love never fails wind is strong and the water's deep. I'm not alone here in these open seas. Your love never fails. The chasm is far too wide. I never thought I'd reach the other side. Your love never fails. Your love never changes There may be pain in the night Joy comes in the morning And when the oceans rage I don't have to be afraid Because I know that you love me your love never fails. Your love, your love never fails. All right, go out and be an encourager this week. We'll see you next time. Thanks for being here.